0: Everybody, How's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream with many great guests that I think you're really going to enjoy. So every year, I like to do kind of a post Christmas wrap up invite on some of the friends of the channel, talk about the holiday, what they enjoyed, uh, you know, reminisce a little bit about the year that was and talk a little bit about what is coming up for us this year. So. On the show today I have Ryan Turnipseed. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you very much for having me. I've got the good old boys of co- of course Bugbeef and Marek. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the return of somebody who has not been on in a long time but it's glad I'm glad that he is back today. American Ostracon, thanks for joining me, man.
1: As always, Orion, it is a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, we got the uh, the all-star cast as many people are noticing uh, I did have a Prudentialist uh wanted to him to come on of course because he's uh he on all the time but unfortunately uh, he is traveling today so best best wishes to him uh, hope he has safe travels and a good rest of this remaining year all right guys so obviously we just had all the Christmas we just enjoyed you know, all of the festivities I'm wondering, uh, I think, I think most of us are from the South here. So we do Christmas a little different. I mean, I, I'm in South Florida, so we can swim, you know, most years you can go to the beach. Uh, most years it was a little chilly this time. Uh, but I'm wondering, uh, you know, that I think, I think the big controversy I had this year was going into Thanksgiving is there's a lot of people uh, rebelling against the Turkey. There, there's the battle against the Turkey and I feel like this is a terrible breaking of tradition because uh, you know, yeah, I get it. Like there might be a meal you slightly prefer. You, you, you know, you have complaints against Turkey because you don't know how to cook it and you're, you're just really bad at it. Uh, But, but Turkey is the traditional uh, is the traditional meal and you should have it because it is the, it is the uh, platonic ideal of uh, kind of Thanksgiving. Christmas is a little different. I feel like ham or Turkey is acceptable. What do you guys do, uh,
2: you know, food wise for Christmas, Ryan? What, what do you guys usually do? Uh, well, well, we had both ham and turkey, and that tends to be what we, uh, uh, what we cook every Christmas is just both. Um, ever since we have uh, we, we have uh, since acquired a couple hundred chickens, so sometimes there might be uh, you know, homegrown chicken smoked at home, uh, yeah, whatever else would go along with that, and then all the usual sides. Um, doesn't have to be an either or. <laughs> nope nope for sure you can get all the d- different options Ostrakan.
0: what are you guys usually doing
1: so it's um i mean the correct answer is uh deep fried turkey and in, in peanut oil yes um cajun then, butter injected is a is oh yeah, yeah you can throw some everglade seasoning in there with the mm-hmm. butter and then just inject it all over the turkey and uh you know let that cook i believe it's three minutes a pound is the the general rule on that one and um yeah you can you can get a ham to cook but like honey baked ham makes it and it's really good and it's a lot less effort so between turkey and honey baked ham um i know um i had some people uh uh, do actually like some cuban food as well which is you know there's nothing wrong with that um but yeah so like ham and turkey and then for sides just you know uh sweet potatoes or anything else you can throw in the deep fryer you know usually you cook the turkey first and then you get creative you could throw a chicken in there if you want to the sky's the limit
0: <laughs> just, just remember to defrost that bird guys don't 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 load the Yeah, that, that, unless though.
1: you enjoy um you know turkey mortars
0: mortar rounds. Well, case. yeah that, that that's a critical one uh bog beef what do you guys usually do when it comes for christmas dinner well, first
3: off, I mean, I got to say, because this is a, uh, cause I'm going to, you know, this is, you, you got to say a nice thing before you say a bad thing. So, <laughs> uh, there is nothing more beautiful on the, on, on the, the, Thanksgiving table or the Christmas table than a big old juicy honey baked ham with the string on it and all that stuff. But, uh, I, I can't do it. It gives me the, the honey, the honey baked ham gives me horrible gas i mean it is it's it's bad it's i will light the place up and so uh, you know uh i'm i'm a traditionalist but i'm also redneck and a certain kind of redneck so no i mean uh we always do turkey for thanksgiving but christmas is seafood so like uh, i we will i will we, we we had oyster stew That is a, that's sort of a forgotten tradition. And, you know, I looked it up and on Google, it says, oh, this is a Irish American tradition. Where did Irish people live in early America that had oysters? Someone answer me that. I don't believe that at all. Sorry. Does anyone
1: do seafood for for Thanksgiving? Is that like a thing, places in America?
3: What is? Seafood of any kind? Well, I mean, so like, uh... I grew up on a shrimp boat. All my family, we all eat just seafood. That's what that's that's what we that's what we like, and so uh, that's that's what we had. But uh, I don't know, I don't know that what other the, we we like. The idea was, oh, it's Christmas, we're gonna eat what we really enjoy, things that we really enjoy. So I had like soft shell crab, I had some, I had some king crab legs,
0: stuff like that. Well, a little think... country boil is probably an acceptable, you know, swap in there.
4: Yeah mark what about you i mean i guess it must have been nice for the people who settled in the boston colony to have a nice little powwow with their native friends and cook a turkey and everything but I mean, where i'm from we built a stockade and started eating each other within like a year <laughs> so, so for, for me it's ha- so it's, it's not ha- long pork right that's not it, true it, <laughs> it, 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 hand, <laughs> at thanksgiving and ham at christmas it's virginia baby
3: you know that's <laughs> one of the theories about that uh Uh, it's i'm sure it's not true but one of the funny theories you can tell this to scare people uh is that the reason why uh the reason the reason why pork is is prohibited in a lot of religions because it it tastes too much like people and it'll get you get you going and on uh, on wanting to eat people
4: (laughs) who was the person who figured that one out
1: (laughs) Well, well you know somebody out there had to
0: well they'll uh they'll eat uh, pigs will eat people, right? You know, they'll they'll go through through bones and stuff. That's a way that that uh people have disposed of bodies. So you you might be secondhand eating, you know, uh you know, might be a cannibal secondhand either way. I I mean,
4: chickens will eat anything too, and turkeys, so you know. How do we go from holiday meals to
1: cannibalism? I'm just putting <laughs>
3: that up there. I, I used to track this. I had like a I had like a counter of like every single time someone in the world got eaten by another person. Oh, I, just, I just find this very, I just find it very amusing. I'm not sure. Uh, it's usually, usually it's the, you know, it's the, the thing where the, uh, you know, the, the boats get lost at sea and they don't have a radio or whatever. So somebody draws a short straw and that's, that's a wrap. Could It might've happened? I need to find out if it ever happened on a Thanksgiving or Christmas day. Maybe somebody had a
0: very <laughs> I mean Thanksgiving dinner. I so mean, hard. if they were starving enough in the first Thanksgiving, you know, there, you know, there's the option there. Well, that
3: yeah. I, it is is it is it is not un, uh, <laughs> unthinkable to imagine that, that happened at Jamestown.
4: The worst peanut <laughs> special ever. <laughs> <America>.
1: <laughs> it's like the old episode. I know we kept talking about King of the Hill. Dale Gribble asked John Redcorn, "Is like, hey, John Redcorn, did your people ever celebrate Thanksgiving?" <laughs> he replies back, "We did." once
3: <laughs> i blame Merrick. you're the one that brought it up did, did pe- people actually get eaten at jamestown
4: yeah Ooh. absolutely yeah there's archaeological <laughs> evidence of it yeah, yeah they,
3: they don't they don't have those classical paintings with that with that stuff like they do the, the, <laughs> yes. the pilgrims and <laughs> there's stuff.
4: no norman rockwell painting of the starving time <laughs> in jamestown sorry guys
1: well, I do thanks want to see everybody for showing up
4: to our
0: cannibalism show. Yeah. Well, this is like Godwin's law but for uh yeah, but, but for cannibalism. Uh,
3: or on you had a show you you there is a uh, episode of the the Great Orn or the, the Orin show where you, the title of it is it's not okay to eat people, right?
0: Yes, actually ostracon was on that one. Uh we had the we We had some debate. Well, they, no, there So, if I remember correctly, there was uh, Army Hammer. Ha- apparently, the actor has some kind of cannibalism fetish, sure. and and so they they were doing like stories once this came out in papers and like yeah, they why were trying to normalize it. And it's right. just like,
3: guys, like no, we can never judge. We can never ever judge. Well, I'm, I think that might I have been our a first to
1: cannibalism.
0: Like, no, I'm I'm not cool with that. All
3: cultures are beautiful.
0: I think that might have been our first, uh, our first, the slippery slope is undefeated episode. I think that was probably. <laughs> All right. So another another uh, Christmas related question. Of course, Die Hard is it a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? This one goes on and on. Uh, you know, I, I think I think that at this point, unfortunately, that discussion, while at first amusing, has just become a tiresome meme. Uh, but do any of you have a non-traditional uh, Christmas movie or like something you watch that is? It could be Christmas-related. You know, it doesn't have to be something that's totally not, but but is outside. You think probably the normal watch list for for when it comes to Christmas specials or things that people watch annually on Christmas. Uh, we'll go in reverse order here, Merrick. You got any any odd Christmas watches
4: you usually do? Yeah, my dad every year. In the last few years, would force us to watch Bad Santa, Ooh. which I mean, that is a Christmas themed movie, but mm-hmm. when you have the entire family gathered around, that's an you know, awkward it, movie you... to watch together. Yeah, yeah, but you
0: got to you got a real kick out of that. I was hoping it would be something that, like, the Twilight Zone. I mean, like, they got to be a Rod Sterling, you know. Did yeah, they used well, to do
4: the, the, yeah, oh, New Year's yeah. Day, uh, marathon or something? Oh, they
0: still do, yeah. Okay.
4: But that's just, I, I, I'll watch that anytime
0: uh uh bog you got any weird holiday uh classics
3: you watch so uh i know my limits i'm one of these people that I, I don't have uh i don't have good taste but i know people that do so like if i ever listen to music or i watch movies i just go ask people that that, that uh know movies or music and i'm like hey what should i watch for christmas and they'll just tell me a good movie. so i i, I don't i don't ever pick i don't pick movies
0: you just take excellent recommendations. Yes. Well, now you've got the whole list. Uh, last things did the uh, the whole. Uh, I think you were on that, right, Bog? You did one of the movies. Yeah,
3: and that's how I did it. I didn't pick a movie. He picked a movie. <laughs>
0: nice. Yeah, yeah. You got a, a, a like, think like forty recommendations if you want to go uh, watch what all the uh, uh, right wing uh, online artists are watching. Uh, I'm p- you know.
3: I'm picky, but I'm also picky about being picky. Like I'm picky about. <laughs> what i'm picky about so like i'm very particular about how my food cars uh you know these kinds of things but um i know i i know my limits i know some things i don't know i don't know anything about but i i but i know i got a guy
0: you know what i mean <laughs> ostracon you got any weird christmas watches
1: yeah i always end up watching like john Melnius movies around christmas hmm. so Hell like- yeah like Conan the Barbarian or um, or I'll watch uh, like Red Dawn or another one of his that I really like is The Wind and the Lion. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mark yeah, Bar- I don't know. Like I always lean back towards like 80s and 90s movies during Christmas. It just gives me the warm fuzzies. Um, and uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is always like a Christmas time. Mostly I think it's because – there's just enough time to actually watch those. That's, movies. Are you time. an extended edition guy? Yeah, I, I <laughs> like. I mean, I like the pacing of of the original cut. I, I get why it's done that way, but because I love the characters and everything so much, the extended is what I enjoy. But I believe the theatrical release is the better product. It's a better
4: movie. Does the extended version have the mouth of Sauron in it?
1: It does. Yes, it does. It's got in the in the Return of the King. It has the Malthusauron in it.
4: Yeah, that I mean, I agree with like, the That's theatrical cut
1: scene. By the way,
4: yeah, like I agree, most of the time, the theatrical cuts are better because like other director cuts come out a lot, and the directors don't want to kill their babies or whatever, or, or like kill their darlings or, or whatever. But I, that scene is so good. Like, I, you're so most, plenty to enjoy in
1: both versions. Um, I really like the extended versions. I'm with you on that. But I would argue that the theatrical versions have better pacing.
4: Yeah, Master and Commander would be a good.
1: Christmas oh, that's Christmas. just a good. Yeah, Master and Commander's in there. And then, um, yeah, like naval or, or ocean type of movies. Like um, uh, what's uh, the Tom Hanks one? Castaway. That's another one that you can just kind of like, that's a good long watch movie that you can just watch during the holidays.
0: Yeah, it's a good time for long watch movies like we would always watch Ben-Hur or that's a good one of a Christmas movie. Yeah, I suppose it is. Uh, um, Yeah, so so it's a a good time for long watches. Ryan, what about you?
2: Uh, So I'm going to be resurrecting a conversation here. My girlfriend really likes Tolkien um, and I think probably rereads the trilogy yearly. Um, and she brought to my attention that The Fellowship departs from Rivendell uh, on the 25th of December.
0: And therefore.
2: So, yeah, and therefore it is a Christmas movie, so we have to watch it at Christmas. So yes. um, that, that's, that's, uh, that tends to be what we watch watched there, at least just the first one, uh, so that we can catch up with the other books. But uh, beyond that, um, I think the extended are better, and I actually disagree that the pacing is better in the theatrical just because... Uh, right before Pelennor Fields, you actually get more tension built up uh, before the horn sounds. Um, it's a, it's certainly a, I, I think it uh, depicts the uh, what was it the Tolkien calls it the U catastrophe better uh, in the uh, extended version than the theatrical because in the theatrical they just kind of arrive at the battle as opposed to this dire scene with Gandalf right before um, the Lich King. So,
4: I mean, there uh, are exceptions like Kingdom of Heaven, uh, pretty famously has a much better extended cut uh, than yeah, the, the actual that, that
0: changes the movie uh, quite a bit. Uh, so that that's a much better I'm, movie. I'm going to flip
1: this topic on its head really quick and argue that It's a Wonderful Life is not a Christmas movie, other than the fact that it happens to take place around Christmas. Like, it's a deep, dark film about a man losing his faith and then regaining it. It just happens to be around Christmas time.
0: Yeah, but, but so, uh, all right. So I guess we're gonna do this anyway. All right, everybody. <laughs> I did. I open up a can. No, just so what makes it? So what makes a Christmas movie then? Because does it just need to be? Because it's obviously centered around the holiday in some way. I mean, it specifically is about uh, God sending an angel. Uh, so I mean, it's it, it's pretty on the nose there too. It's certainly in the theme of redemption and and and, and uh, in a direct intervention of the divine. I mean, I get that it's a darker tone, and I think that's why a lot of that, that's one of the reasons it endures. It's it's the rare movie uh, that kind of takes Christmas seriously uh, and, and and kind of uh, does more than just have a, a quick family wrap up for a solution for a problem. But I don't think you have to be just kind of this glib celebration uh, th- to be a Christmas movie. I'm Been playing,
3: playing too much 40K. You are trying to make the the, the Grimdark right. <laughs> I in, in the future old...
0: Christmas there is only Christmas. Yeah. There was an
1: old SNL episode where they find like at the it's like right after that scene where he gets the money. <laughs> they find out that Mr. Potter stole it and they all go and kick his butt. <laughs> like, they kill like, him. <laughs> they throw him in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> it's like we're going to go kick Mr. Potter's ass. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> They do the Texas switch where they got the actor. He ducks under the table and they get one of those obviously fake dummies and just start like beating it on camera for like 30 <laughs> seconds. Ryan,
3: Ryan gave me a, a new idea for another video essay. We need to get, we need to get this going on the, the, the nerd content, Merrick. So he said that the, so the fellowship left on December 25th, therefore the Gregorian calendar exists in uh, what, what do they call? What do they call the land in, in um, Middle, oh, Earth.
2: Middle Earth? Yeah, I, I think okay. that's pretty Sorry. explicit, though.
3: Okay, so the Gregorian calendar exists in Middle Earth. And therefore, the, the Ju- uh, July exists. Therefore, Julius Caesar. Therefore, the Roman Empire exists in <laughs> Middle Earth. We got to get this going. This is the expanded universe.
0: I was going to say, this is the crossover we've been waiting for. This is <laughs> the return of the king. No, 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 no. Return of the Caesar. I mean, I always <laughs> thought it
1: was really cool in the line, "The Witch in the Wardrobe" book when, when Santa comes and brings them like, not just gifts, but like war. important tools for victory. weapons of war yeah but,
0: yeah and, well that and... so that makes the the lion witch in the wardrobe movie a christmas movie obviously. yeah it has to be so that's interesting you know that the what do you think it is i mean obviously the lord of the rings is more of an adult tale so that's probably why you know to some extent it passed it it, it uh, gained the level of notoriety did but they they kind of stopped, I think, after only two or th- maybe three of the of the Chronicles of Narnia uh, movies. They're mining like D or E tier comic book movies at this point. Why are we getting a, at least the, the, the next couple Chronicles of Narnia movies? Like, wh- why did we never see that? Because it's overtly Christian. Like, that's an easy answer, I suppose. But I don't know. It just feels like as uh, you know, the. As as desperate as they are to find content, so you know something in there would you know Prince Caspian. I get why you you skip maybe the horse and his boy, but you know there there you have to start picking it up somewhere, right?
3: Well, you know Distribius has talked about this that basically, uh, who is the who is the pervert guy in Hollywood? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> really narrowing stuff. it down there,
1: huh? Weinstein.
3: Weinstein. Basically, before the Weinstein thing is is liberal as Hollywood was. Uh, they did not let that affect the bottom line, uh, like which a lot of things are there. There was a lot of people that are, that sort of, that made a lot of money entertaining conservatives that, uh, were not conservative themselves, especially people that the career is kind of like that, like traveling musicians and stuff, uh, who, you know, out of respect for their fans and for their own wallet, they would, uh, they would not let that affect the bottom line after Weinstein. This is, this is, I'm just purely repeating, uh, uh, Dave distributes there. He said after Weinstein, that's no longer the case. And now, uh, they can't really, they can't really write these, they can't really write plots and stuff that are either a Christian or not even just Christian, just sort of respect basic truths, uh, about the universe. Now, you know, the woman, the 120 pound woman has got a kick ass. She can't get saved by the big burly guy or whatever. And, um, I, I don't know, but this is one of the things that, that, uh, I think is fueling the, the, the remake stuff they haven't actually taken it full full on the way especially in america but uh i don't know if you look at the resident evil 4 remake it's like it's almost explicitly like like you couldn't have that plot made today but you know they can say hey well we're just trying to be faithful to to this this triple to this this classic game we have to be faithful to the product so we have to remake it where a helpless beautiful woman gets rescued by a big burly blonde haired Aryan guy That's just, that's, we're just trying to be faithful to the product, which is good, which is they have to, because you can't hire people. You can't write stuff like that in in today's world.
1: It's a shame too, because there's some really good, you know, female heroes or heroines in movies that are prior to like, let's say 2005 were some of my all time favorite characters.
3: Yeah. And I do, I do want to backtrack a little bit uh, because I haven't watched the show. I don't really watch TV and stuff. But uh, uh people have said this Reacher show, which is really hurting Disney because this Reacher show is made for like three hundred grand an episode or something, and it's just a a big, burly guy that goes around and beats up criminals. And people are like, "Wow, I love this." And so of course you do. Of course you do, because this actually speaks to something the human. And you have D- you have Disney with these comic book. Wh- what were superheroes? What was a super? A superhero was a big burly guy who wouldn't beat up criminals. And now you know they, they spend a twenty million dollars episode on She Hulk, who's like a civil rights attorney, and that just doesn't speak to people. That people don't want that.
0: What's the? Uh, I'm trying to remember desperately now. What what was the revenge? The crime revenge flicks that came out with the old guy, uh, not Dirty Harry, but the other one. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Death yeah. Wish. Yeah, yes. Death Wish. Yeah. Well, like, uh, oh, are we geez, looking? Geez. Are we on the edge of a new Death Wish series? You know, just sparking well, off.
1: Here, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this. So like, large Hollywood productions are not making the money that they used to, but that happened in like the 19. 19- 70s as well where you had all of these big flops from the 60s and they started investing in smaller lower production films like i don't know if you saw that godzilla year zero movie that just came out it's a pretty low budget film but it's a good movie i mean it, I, some people are praising it as like the best movie of the year i thought it was okay like it was it,
3: decent this is it japanese but, yeah it's japanese like well yeah produced well, in japan well yeah um, well, resident evil 4 remake is like the perfect remake. It's a video game, but it, it, you know, these are all people hired from the same stuff in, in terms of the creative, the writing and stuff, and but, but it's Japanese, and they have this barrier to the, the you know, the far, <laughs> the harder it is for you to speak English, the farther you away from the, the woke virus, it seems like.
1: but The, the nice part about this is if it's, if this is failing economically, right, if the big budget movies are not going to make the money, the studio's are eventually going to take more risks or there's just going to be smaller studios that produce smaller movies with, um, with directors and and writers with a voice. And I think that's going to be really healthy eventually for film in general. Yeah. Okay. Fine. the, The production won't be there, but do we really care about the production that much at the end of the day? Or do we care about the story more? And so, you know, I think some good come could come from this.
0: Well, the, I mean, the the real problem is that production is, is now a just it's not useful because it's all just garbage CGI. It's like, oh, they spent 300 million dollars on production. What does that mean? I mean, it's, it's going to look like an animated movie, right? Like they're not doing anything. Yeah, I remember you, you go back and you watch something uh, like Demolition Man, and that's just like <laughs> a comedy. And the, all the you know, they blow up real buildings like all that. You have all these practical effects. The action looks way better in that movie than most action movies look today that are trying to like play it straight and be a huge big budget movie. And it's like, it, it seems like an inflated budget is a problem because no one will, will spend that money to actually do anything that's worth seeing on film anyway. So in a lot of ways, if you could just make things more practical at a lower budget point, that would be far more appealing.
2: It's—it They'd have Wasn't to. I'm the... oh, sorry. I, right, I was just. I was just going to say, isn't this the lesson that everyone was supposed to learn from The Godfather, being as it was uh, done on a budget of like six million dollars or something? You, you, well, you made- I mean,
1: had the big budget Marvel movies and up until Endgame, they were just making money hand over fist, right? Everything was everything they touched was gold. And that's finally like the the age of the big budget superhero movies pretty much dead, which is, I think, a good thing. It it like we're tired of that. It's boring. It's repetitive. They've told those stories in that medium and it's done. And, you know, you're going to get an evolution of smaller productions, I think, because they're just not going to be able to sustain. I mean, look at Disney stock. It's like slashed in half over the last year. So like it will hit them eventually to the point where like, geez, we're going to have to rethink our business model or somebody else is going to do it for them.
4: This I've, is just I've, part of the cycle of, of the movie industry. This happens from time to time. You get the consolidation and you get these big budget films that become popular. It was the sword and sandals films in like mm-hmm. the 50s and 60s. And then enough of them bomb. The studio loses money. They start going and... Everybody starts thinking and-
0: Westerns in Italy for, you know... People. Yeah, Ooh,
4: or the next yeah, Robert great. Altman, yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: but... You know, you'll get your John Carpenters and you'll get your, your weird directors with with weird voices and then they'll be gobbled up by the studios and make crap but you know these <laughs> produced by these people
3: i'm Some, i'm doubtful something. and i'm I, I kind of want to tie i think this is a little bit a uh, kind of gets into Oron's long-standing debate with academic agent whereas a lot of people think well you know of course they're gonna the money's gonna have them come around the money's gonna have them come around they'll start acting right it's so, I don't know about that. I mean, because like you, you know, when you make a movie, when you you spend a lot of money on something like the Demolition Man, you know, first off, you have you have a culture, and you have you have manly men, uh, box office stars that you you spend a hundred million because you know, if you're be a Sly in it, it'll do great. Everybody's going to go well, see the new Sly flick, but uh, you can't have that anymore. You because uh, I mean, it's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if if, if things are, are going to just turn around like that, or if this is. Uh, you know part of some kind of cycle that we've seen going back to the 70s or something i think things are actually different this time something- well
1: worst case scenario go back and watch john Milnius movies and 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 old indiana mm-hmm. jones movies and just wrap yourself in that warm blanket and acknowledge that the film industry is dead which i'm fine with too we got enough for a lifetime
2: <laughs> well, something interesting. If we're talking about the death of like the uh, the superhero movie genre, um, I I've noticed this change over time. Just because that's the that was the main thing that I grew up with. That was the big thing from when I was little to the end of high school. Was these superhero genre movies, both starting and then ending. Um, when you go to the like the earliest Marvel Superman movies, like or superhero movies like uh, Iron Man, uh, it has a lot less flashy colors, and you have a lot better writing. Um, because it it reads like one giant critique of uh, military manufacturers with superheroes pasted over it. Whereas when you get to the end of the genre, it's giant flashing neon colors uh, with uh, quite frankly terrible writing. I, I I don't know that the uh that the setting is actually dead. I think that they've just run out of actual talent.
3: Oh, well, that's a, well, that's it, an excellent point. That's, it kind of goes into uh, real quick. It kind of goes into the point where early Star Wars is really just repackaged like samurai and world war ii stuff whereas modern star wars is repackaged old star wars which is not really something to draw from
0: well both of them suffer from becoming just wildly self-referential right the entire the entire interest in in game is just like oh look that superhero team showed up now that one showed up everybody's here and there's no plot it's not tied back to anything in the real world there's nothing to say about society because it's all cut up inside its own meta-textual. you know, it's, it's just, it's just bringing all this stuff in just for the sake of hitting all the checklists and having all the fanboys excited. Same thing with star Wars now, right? Like they can't, the star Wars, star Wars was saying something about the hero's journey It was saying, you know, something about, you know, like you said, uh, the, you know, these, bop, the, these kind of samurai and, and other phenomena. you know, bringing the space Western, and other things to the forefront mixing the genres and now it's just well you know we got to figure out how to summon star destroyers from you know the sky using the force and yeah both of them just kind of destroy themselves because they they've only become about the connections inside the movie uh, series and has nothing to do with kind of the original roots that made it interesting in the first place yeah by the way
1: never that good I'm just gonna say it like the first two films are good after that it, it was never that good
2: well, with uh, with what you were saying, Aron, I think that's also why you won't be seeing some giant, uh, very expensive production of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, just because they would have to learn how to actually write a story for the screen that goes through just the basics of a hero's journey mm-hmm. with some sort of uh, eternal concept behind it all, which they haven't been they haven't been doing for like a decade now. They're they're atrophied. I, I, I really? Think, oh, I sorry.
3: Think, I think comic books never. Re- I mean comic books overperformed in the theaters because they had like 70 years of all this writing and stuff to draw from, right. but it, it never really should have succeeded. The, the heroes superheroes look cool illustrated on a page. Like you look at the various uniforms that like people like Wolverine and stuff had, especially in the nineties, like Jim Lee drawing and stuff, these amazing artists. Uh, and he, he looks, he looks are slurred in like, when you put an actual human being, In that suit that's not really the the that's not really the format for that they did okay because they had so many they could just grow go and and snatch like all these best stories out of like the 70 80 years that uh that uh marvel and dc were kicking but i mean this never was like that's not really what what really what really goes on on the on a movie screen in my opinion
0: yeah i'm I'm with you that the uh, vast amount of content That was available to them, and the fact that they could just pull on all that and immediately whip up scripts was a big part of that phenomenon. It was it's a formula that worked because you just, especially when you started getting all of these uh, streaming services that came along and needed to fill vast amounts of content. The fact that you could just throw this back catalog of of movies that was being churned out like a machine uh, definitely, I think, uh, contributed to the success of that but yeah you know, I, I think everyone knows at this point it, that that's one thing that i do want to take from this i think the most important part made during all of this is that i am right an academic agent is wrong <laughs> and, I will, and i will receive a cigar i just want to i thought it was important to take a moment to, to focus on I mean, the most important point made there
1: you know some good can come from it like the first season of the mandalorian was good and you know then they got there then people noticed and it turned horrible But, like, the first season was good, and it told a nice little story. Um, But I I think in the end, there's always going to be some sort of voiced Finding it is going to be difficult, more difficult, because of just how much media is out there. But, you know, Netflix and all these other companies approve so much crap anyway. There's bound to be one or two things that are decent. And then they'll ruin them. But, you know, it'll be nice to have that one movie or that one season that'll be good.
0: Well, like the Mandalorian was good again because it was the least self-referential season. It was the one that was actually new. It was actually different. By the time they get to the next couple seasons, all they're doing is bringing in old characters, connecting it to you know uh, to a previous lore. And the more it gets drowned in all of the backstory, the
4: worse. I've never seen the show, but I've seen like a behind-the-scenes thing, like the second season. They just bring in like literally Luke Skywalker. They use a, a yeah. CGI and deepfake. I yeah. want to say about that show though, whoever the writer was that figured out how to get women to pay attention to Star Wars by adding a alien baby, it should. He should be giving like, the biggest bonus in, in, in Marvel has a lot
1: of toys sold to that little baby Yoda.
4: Yeah, I mean it's like women didn't didn't care about Star Wars until they added the space baby. That's brilliant. That's brilliant marketing. You got to hand it to him. All
0: right, guys. So uh, we we could probably go on for mo- on movies for quite a while, but I wanted to hit some other roundup questions. So I wanted to get to what you think was the biggest event or two of the year and it can be personal, it could be uh, you know, uh it could be related to politics. Like what do you what was the thing that that you're gonna remember 2023 for? Like what do you think is gonna be a most important thing, uh turnip
2: ooh, okay. Uh so if I can divide uh just why I could say them important real quick. The big political ones I think has to be the Trump mugshot and the melting down of the uh Robert E. Lee statue just because that provided the most uh striking visualizations of things happening right now uh hmm. they're very easy to remember uh you look at them and you immediately feel that uh something is happening uh and depending on uh what kind of person you are you can extrapolate different things from that but i i think those are by far the most memorable political events from this last year um as as for personal uh this uh 2023 i presented my first paper at a research conference that was a uh, that was pretty nice. And then we, uh, a group of friends and I co-authored another paper that we're presenting next year. That's the first time I've done anything like that. So, uh, good year personally, but politically things are definitely getting worse. <laughs> what about you, Ostrakhan?
1: Um, I think it's the, you know, me, I, I, I tend to, to focus on, you know, geopolitics. And I think the most interesting thing about this year is sort of the, um, the, the the whiplash between, I know that we're going back a little bit from like leaving Afghanistan to the complete focus on the Ukraine to everyone forgetting about the Ukraine. And now we're talking about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it's just, oh, how the head turns so quickly these days. Um, and it's, um, I yeah, th- that would be my biggest takeaway from this year is just how quickly political focus or or, or political zeitgeist shifts. And it seems like people only have the attention span for one international issue at a time.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the, the current thing cycle definitely seems to be accelerating, which it's It's interesting. It's very fast, but it's also diminishing returns. I feel like that they're, they're breaking that by pushing the button too hard. You know what I mean? Uh, we, the, you well, that's kind of what up. I'm getting at. It, it, it's yeah. like
1: rotating, like we're, we're we're shifting, we're focusing attention more quickly than we used to in the past.
0: And in every situation, the focus of attention is screaming at eleven. So you have yeah, to everything that. is the
1: biggest, yeah. the biggest disaster, the biggest, the most important thing ever, um, regardless of what it actually is.
0: And you have to make public declara- declarations about it. It's not enough to just know something's happened in Ukraine or know something's happening in Israel, but you need to, you know, make, make a, you have to declare for one side, you have to show your support, you have to get on social media and your, the absence of your, uh, kind of comment is the most, uh, is, is the most, uh, you know, damning thing. And so. Yeah. We can throw
1: COVID into that as well. So like COVID, you know, Afghanistan to COVID to Ukraine to Israel, Palestine, like, oh, now this is it. Now this is it. Now this is the focus, and it's just, yeah, it's it's focus whiplash
0: or whatever you want to call it. Bog, what about you? What stands out for you?
3: Oh, the biggest story is easily has to be the conservative booby calendar firestorm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to come up.
3: This story is going to go on for years and years. I don't know. Sorry, I just found out about that like a few hours ago, and I was like, this is the perfect story. Like, I could f- – there's nothing you can say about that is not that is not basically funny. You can take either. I I could feel comfortable taking either side in the position and arguing vehemently. It's so much fun. Uh, no, anyways. Uh, the um. And plus, hey, I'm to like, be that guy. Can you explain that
0: one to me? Because I don't. I'm not. Yeah, you. You're, what you're not addicted to Twitter. You're not. No, you're not just I'm sitting sorry, there reading no, Twitter twenty four. Please this. Some
1: Everyone of us are. Mad, I want to be in on the joke.
2: Yeah, some of us are addicted to Twitter, and we haven't yet heard about this.
3: You're not hip to the conservative booby booby calendar.
0: Go ahead and tell them Bob. What's what's the controversy?
3: Oh well, I'd love to. I I'd absolutely love to. So um, uh, there's like uh, you know these uh, sort of uh, people not far removed from what we do, except they have uh, different genitals. Uh, the women, the women that do our kind of stuff, right? So uh, there's people like I I only know a couple of them. I know Riley Gaines and um i don't know there's a couple of these other women that basically good looking women that do conservative commentary uh they all um uh they they did a a a uh you know a a boudoir calendar
1: yeah cheesecake calendar yeah yeah there's oh, all- they like a, okay all right i got gotcha. you
3: and so of course this this causes all this controversy there was there was uh i mean th- everybody is on fire so you have like you have like the the NRX people are like saying that it's the problem with it is kitsch. You had like the the more the more feminists. I don't know what you call them. Like um uh, I don't I don't know. There, there's there's some some conservative women feel like this is wrong because uh the the calendar was marketed towards uh, married men who shouldn't be looking at, at pictures of Riley Gaines in a bikini. Um, you, you have, uh, I mean, there's just all, you have all kinds of everybody. I mean, so everybody's got something to say, about. I'm just, I'm just learning about it. And everything, everybody's saying is wonderful. It's all wonderful. I agree with every take on this.
4: What I love about Twitter is you have people on there who are like, they're ladies with a graduate degree and in like, you know, women something, but they have the sexual politics of my Pentecostal aunt like how dare you look at, at pictures of women in bikinis you're a married man you're a conservative dad this is not your place like have Beautiful. you have they known a, a, a man in their life a dad
3: yeah you're wait, you're talking to these women who got kicked out of the liberal movement five minutes ago because of uh <laughs> a transgender people and so they're trying to make themselves comfortable on the right wing now <laughs> But, uh, yeah, anyways, uh I was trying to fill up time there because, honestly, everything <laughs> Os- Ostracon said was was what I was going to say. It's the wars. I'm sorry.
1: I still
4: <laughs> admit that, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, he did the way better point, so I'm going to talk about boobies. <laughs> yeah,
3: it, it, it's a move. I mean, so you, you have the, the wars, whatever. Uh the, the only other thing I would add is legitimate cracks starting the show in in the lib uh, uh coalition i don't just mean stories that you read i mean like i've talked to people that are that are on that are on the left or just go on twitter and just like tweet something controversial that left-wing people should normally light you up about you're not going to hear much because they are fighting each other right now they their war is 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 raging right now they don't care they' but none of them are really watching what we're doing right now because they uh, they got the knives out and people are getting fired it's uh they're having they're 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 going to war right now
0: yeah i've, I've i did a, a show on this and i've talked about it a couple times i am fascinated about the left-wing civil war that has kind of broken out specifically over uh the israeli-palestinian split inside the left it's a it's a fascinating moment and i'm I, I, it has a lot of implications for whether the will can be put away. So I'm very interested in about it in that uh, context, but I think it just, it's going to make a very interesting impact on the way the left looks going forward.
3: Yeah. And the thing about it is like, don't trust your instincts on this because like in, in real wars and stuff, it's always awesome when your enemy is opens up a new front or whatever, right? That never, they're, that they're just going to deplete more material and stuff like that. But it's not, that's not how politics work. This happened in the late '60s. We see a lot of things happen right now that also happened in the late '60s. And what happened? The left, the the left just got way more left fast. It, like you have like uh, the 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 original awakening is like what 1972 or what are you? Well, you can say 68 through 72 is like the original uh, uh you know lib awakening. And um you know like they they got woke in '68, and then when the gas crisis hit in '72, it was like time to go and they had they had both even though richard nixon was president they had the, they had the house and the senate and a un whatever the the, the thing where the, the unvetoable uh control whatever and they just went into overdrive all a lot of things that suck about modern world whatever was all bills they passed in that short amount of time so they had a huge civil war it was it was more nasty than this and it was it was started by the it was they they by like the six-day war and stuff like that It's it was all very similar and so I just want to say it's highly dangerous. It doesn't just mean good things when the left goes to war with each other.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. So many people <laughs> who have just never paid attention to politics, and I think a lot, la- or okay, I, sh- I guess I should say it this way. Because so much of the right is made up of uh liberal castoffs from five years ago, like you're saying, uh, I think it was Bob, Bob Merrick, uh, be- because that's that makes up such a large part of especially kind of the, the visible uh, comment commentariat on the right. Uh, people just have like the, the memories of gnats when it comes to what the left has actually been doing. And that's one of the things I liked about Chris Rufo's book this year actually uh, is he was pretty explicit about how every single thing that you think is just insane about the left, all of the rhetoric, all the like anti white hate, all of the terrorism like all of the, you know, the super radical family destruction, uh, the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the kitty diddling stuff, like all that stuff is part of the left in the '60s. It's all there, ground zero, in the middle of the revolution. None of it's new. None of these are recent developments. All of this is stuff that was baked in from the very beginning. Uh, th- this is not something. Oh, the left went crazy ten years ago. Like, nope, this was part of the progressive movement the entire time, and you guys were just a part of it. So you didn't pay any attention to the fact that this was like always something that was boiling up and over uh and so uh i do think i do think you're right bog that the this intensifying of the uh kind of purity spiral does not just mean uh you know the right wins because the left cracks up and falls apart in many ways the fact that the left keeps accelerating like this is the reason that they continue to win
3: yeah we talk about patrons on our show a lot it's just this sort of political model it's it's not it's not unknown or anything and part of the part of this model of politics is that it's bad to have a coalition that's too large uh and it 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 makes them more powerful to cast off if you can still win elections and still pay your top guys and stuff uh it's better to cast off people that uh that uh that it's better it's better to have less less people literally it's better to have less people as long as they're just the people you need and uh yeah it's it's super dangerous for for us yeah uh what there is like one chick that was doing all that terrorism like most of those people that got did terrorism stuff in the 60s they all got professorships and stuff like uh the
0: the the weather underground professors yes
3: yeah and um they got they got a old barry barry obama elected but uh there was one chick that like kept doing it like too long like even after they had sewed up power and stuff she uh or you know it's the kind of thing where she probably just didn't know people and stuff she just got excited about politics and she hijacked a plane for uh for palestine or whatever and um i think she's still on the fbi's most wanted list she's been on there for like 50 years or something pretty pretty crazy
0: all right, we're going to do our best. I'm going to spearhead this, but but we're going to do our best, guys. This is the year we're going to explain to the right that the broadest possible coalition is not actually how democracy works. <laughs> like with the, This is going to be the year. I'm just going to keep saying it over and over again. Uh, people ask, why do you repeat yourself so, so much on Twitter? It's like, because we still haven't learned any of these lessons. Uh, but th- this is going to be the year where we explain to people that it's not how many people are backing your movement, but who is backing your movement. Uh, so so we will continue to force that. Uh, Mark, what, what do you think? I know it sucks to go last because people have taken uh, all the obvious stuff, but what do you think is, is kind of the biggest uh, uh, event out of uh, 2023?
4: All right, I'm going to give you two fake answers first and then the real answer because right. the real answer is depressing. Uh, the, the first fake answer is AI because whatever. It, it's either going to put everybody out of work or it's going to be nothing the the second fake answer is them trying to throw trump in prison because like this was a huge escalation it was beyond anything that pretty much anybody's done will be nice and say since the 19th century but really it's nobody's ever tried to do this in american politics and again either they'll succeed and this will be like the beginning of the era of bad feelings or whatever and we're just it, it's the darkest timeline as the libs would say or they're going to fail, and it's going to lead to in, insane political, probably violence. To be honest, so, so there's that. But both of those answers are fake. The real answer, and it's kind of boring and very depressing, is that just them letting in everybody who wants to come into the country from from Mexico. Like I, I know that's not a new thing, but like the the it's pretty unprecedented the way they opened up the tap. And they're fundamentally changing the fabric of America, like, right as we speak. That's pretty much the only thing that Biden has successfully done. And we're and going to be It's the he needs that.
0: to do. Right?
4: It's all that he has to do. And it's depressing because, like, this is a tricky subject because you can force, well, Americans into a position where you have to be the bad guy to respond to this. Like, all he has to do is just let him let him in, and then you have to deal with them one way or the other. And, and no matter what you do, you know, you're going to have people crying at you. You're going to be the bad guy. You're the one who acted. It's like, to it, we'll use the Christmas analogy, you have, like, one person at Christmas dinner who's disruptive and won't shut up about politics or whatever. But, you know, mom gets mad at you for telling cousin Jimmy to shut up. Because this is Christmas and you're not supposed to be doing that stuff. This is just how this works. So, the, my boring, depressing answer is the insane number of illegals in the country in 2023. I, I think I,
0: I I feel like you're right, and that's that's kind of the thing. Is yeah, you know, you obviously the the actions taken against Trump are much flashier. That kind of stuff is going to, I think you're you're right. Unfortunately, is going to create some pretty serious pressure points in the American electorate this year. I think you're going to see a constitutional crisis if they, if they continue to try to remove him from the ballot and imprison him and all this stuff, like there, there's a real danger there, of course. But I think the the kind of the thing that doesn't get enough focus because it's just slow and grinding and methodical and no one is willing to deal with the fallout, like you said, is this constant flow. You know, they just had uh, what what did I just, uh, had on Twitter a second ago, another fifteen thousand people, another caravan coming up, and I just said, you know, what? What do legitimate elections even look like after the Biden administration? How m- What? Ten million illegals, probably at least, just during during the four years of the Biden administration. That's that's multiple states worth of people brought in. You're ju- you're just removing our, at least one red state from the electorate bringing these people in and that's not even accounting for the fact that there's going to be generations of democratic voters. This is not just a now thing, obviously, because a lot of these people will have a you know hard time legitimately voting for the next few years. Not that that's stopped Democrats in the past, but you know, that these there's going to be generations of people who will, you know, be have citizenship because their parents came here illegally. They're more likely to vote, uh, Uh, blue look guys i know many hispanics can vote conservative i'm happy that those that do do so but the the reality is that if you're one of these people who's just like well they're catholic or something so they're gonna vote conservative like sorry that's not actually how voting patterns work and the reason the democrats are so cool you know so uh, excited about changing the 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 contents of america changing the demographics of america is they know that over time this actually shifts things for them in perpetuity. What what does a legitimate election even look like down the road? I mean this is a real problem that conservatives need to start thinking about or people on the right need to start thinking about, you know, once the entire electorate has shifted permanently in the direction of the Democrats and there is just no argument you're going to make because I hate to break this to people, elections aren't about arguments, they're about identity. When when people uh realize this they're gonna have to take a long hard look about what this actually looks like for the decision making mechanism of the united states because if it continues to just be mass uh you know a a, a mass franchise well the democrats are just gonna win period because they've rigged the game they did it on purpose and the damage is done
3: let's not forget how good they are at this now like all of these people first off uh, i mean you know uh We've seen that the people at the border, it ain't, even, it ain't even just people from Latin and South America anymore. They've put oh, the no. call out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and what's going to happen? The Democrats are so good now. At, it, as soon as now they got, what are they, they? The last interview, they had a guy with Morocco or something. There's going to be uh whatever, whatever towns, whatever the, these, these towns left going down the line of population numbers that aren't controlled yet by Democrats. They will cut. They will, you know, cut cut them out a ethnic a a a, a sort of a a, a, a ethnic. I don't forget what the word sanctuary. Whatever, whatever there enclave. Yeah, enclave. Yeah, and then you'll have what thirty percent of like Jacksonville, whatever, be people from from uh, uh, you know Kukumanistan. and the and you'll have the other thing is of course, just like you said, uh, people in America are used to this thing like. Oh, well, it's the economy or, you know, I watched, I watched uh, uh beat the press on Sunday and I really liked what, what, what Bob Jensen had to say. Uh That's not how, that's how you vote. Sure. Nobody else in the world votes like that. You can be the most conservative person in the world, but they have a unit and they have like a representative and he talks to the Democrat party and they have a dinner and people know people. It's a patronage network and like your the per your personal politics or how you feel about like uh you know guns or religion or something that has nothing to do they don't government doesn't mean the same thing to these people and it doesn't mean the same thing to democrats democrats actually understand uh how a government actually functions if you yeah, the to,
0: amazing
1: oh, go ahead right
2: oh, well I've, i was just quickly going to say if you want to get to the bottom of the issue here you can go back to a uh, certain french reactionary writer from the uh uh end of the last century, uh, who was writing against the New Left at the time, specifically the uh, reverse colonialism that was being pushed by them, uh, where they were talking about repopulating France with Algerians and Indians and the entirety of the Third World just to uh, uh, destroy the concept of a France or Western civilization. Um, and he put the whole thing down to if the West is going to actually recover from anything that they do, it's going to be a question of will. Uh, and, and the novel that he wrote uh, the, the country collapses because the president of France refuses to, uh, uh, muster the will to actually, uh, get rid of everyone that's coming into the country. Uh, not, not necessarily violently, like some sort of ethnic purge or whatever, but just to refuse to allow them, refuse to allow them in to begin with. Uh, and this is a, it, it's ultimately a question of will, uh, as that man posits in the, in the book. Um, if you want to, uh, uh, reverse the changes that are happening right now, which it is doable. Other countries have uh, done this before, and without much bloodshed at all. Um, it's, it's just a question of will. Uh, does does the uh, remaining vestiges of this old America have the will to uh, actually do what needs to be done?
1: I mean, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that is why they are currently dying off. Like, it's the will is gone.
1: Uh, what's what do you see as the end state of? America. So like what uh, let's let's go let's say all of this comes to pass and the 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 the, the geo not not geopolitical sorry the, the 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 people of America are inherently changed what is the new future at that point? And I'm going to talk like what's what's the realistic trajectory of America because we've talked about this many times we're on how we are in late Roman empire, right? We we've made that analogy many, many times, but we've also argued that due to the way modern technology works and the way modern politics works, it's a much faster pace than we would have seen, you know, like in the fall of the Western Roman empire. And, but out of that, Came the Eastern Roman Empire, and they they sort of splintered off and did their own thing, and you know morphed into uh, you know a functional empire, a functional you know. Collection. I mean, a great
0: civilization that exists. Right, but, but so
1: what's what's the new normal? What's the new America become? Is is I know that's like the million the the multi billion dollar question, but like... Yeah. Where does it all lead in the end? And what do you see as the new end goal? Like for, forget, let's, let's not talk about what we want. Let's talk about what's realistically going to happen for
3: a well, second. I, I did, did just want to say, well, I mean, the Eastern Roman empire, that was, that was a, that, that was, a mitzvah, but the, the Western, it was bad. It was really bad. I mean, uh, uh like, so, like, you know, for hundreds of years, people's femurs get like four or five inch shorter, like, you know, in graves and stuff. It was, it was really rough.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, so there, there's the question is like, where are we, right? Are we? Is this the end of the Roman Republic? Is this the end of the Roman Empire? You know, like, like because the because those endings have very different outcomes. As, I mean, as, I think this is the empire, right? We we are,
1: for all practical purposes, we are an empire. So so like the question we, part- we, we have military outposts in other nations, you know, and we we shape. Uh, global politics more than any other nation.
4: Well, so was the Roman Republic. They might have called it a republic, but even in the the, latter years of the republic, the republic
1: was still an empire. It was just an empire run by a different
4: It was. What we call the rise of the Roman Empire was a reorganization of that empire. That's what happened. And this is like, this is one of, if you, in life cycles of empires, this is one of those situations where sometimes you will recover and reorganize and, and continue on for generations. And in their case, you know, depending on how you want to look at it from the, t- from the time of Augustus until Romulus Augustus or from the time of Augustus until the fall of Constantinople. It's a pretty good, it was a pretty good run. I, I don't, I, I take. I have a problem with the framing of this, which is that like, Here's the thing, we were talking earlier about it does it's not about how many people support you, it's about who supports you. And uh there are I know- I mean, is the end state a fractured nation of
1: of smaller nations, or is that not realistic? and, well, and you know, by hook or by crook, the United States will stay together physically as a nation, even if it
0: changes
4: demographically.
0: Well, let's let's go so, ahead and uh, let Merrick finish that thought, and then maybe we'll work our way
4: around so we're not just talking over yeah. each other. So the the idea that doesn't... I, I wouldn't even say it's, it's not who supports you. It's what the people who support you are willing to do. And the truth is, it doesn't take a large portion of society to, to, to drive this. It takes you'd be surprised at how few people can can make big changes if they do have the political will, like Mr. Turnipseed was, was saying. So the question is, is not what are we going to do collectively? It's what are are people going to be willing to do and how many of them and how successful will it be as for like, what's going to happen to the, to the country, I mean it's it's bad right now what 15% of the population is foreign born but that's not this isn't something we have no experience with we're not we're not like uh sentinel island or whatever right we're we're not we're not people who who can't de- who haven't dealt with this problem in the past we dealt with it in the 19th century and we and we pulled out of that just by simply saying okay nobody else comes across for a while is that going to happen again probably not but once the party's over here, and we can all probably agree looking forward, it seems like the part if the party's not over yet, it's starting to wrap up. The all the all the free stuff isn't it, it free anymore. When you go to the grocery store, you know that and more importantly, normies know that now they they realize that the real cost of all this. Are all those people, all the you know the two million people or whatever that came across the border this year, are they going to stick around if they're not getting free stuff? I don't think so. I think a lot of them are just going to go back home once things get bad. Once the S hits the fan. Beyond that, it it doesn't really matter if the country stays together or not. Honestly, we I mean we we have we have a built-in system for this already. Federalism. We can we can ha- we can handle this without a, a big violent war if if we're willing to do it
2: there is uh something to consider here outside of just the uh short term as well is that uh, at the end of the roman empire at the very least what what happened to its core population uh they they did not have the uh uh the will spiritual social political whatever it may be uh to remain distinct anymore they intermarried with the germans that invaded the lombards and then they became the modern italian population which is a A mixture of Latin and Germanic. Uh, It it might be worth uh, speculating what might happen to the core population of the United States, and what consequences will that have. Uh, The Latins were in a well. uh, The the Latins were in a good position in that the invading uh, peoples that that ended up settling in the Italian Peninsula weren't actually that bad. Um, They could sustain very nice civilizations. Uh, What about the peoples coming across the border now? What what do their civilizations look like? What are they going towards? Uh, what what are they developing?
4: I mean, the people who invaded the Roman Empire were better. I mean, we can we can all agree that, right? <laughs> Ger- German German is a step up from from Latin. It,
3: it is funny. And I don't want to go further with that, but it is funny to imagine. Like, imagine if the border was all lined up with you know six foot four, blonde hair, blue eyed people. <laughs> that's, what, You're, that's yearning what to be Romans free. Have. Yeah. Uh well I mean as long as long as the United States uh well as long as we can keep Texas, Air, Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia,
0: we'll be all right. Maybe yeah, we can watch that. Get uh, getting the band back together yeah no i
3: i I have nothing i mean so this 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 topic is um i i don't know i know it's a minefield guys
1: it's okay if you don't want to we can move on
3: no i'm not objecting to it It, it's 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 the the most fun kind of topic but uh it'll be super chaotic because all all the things we've sort of done in the like anytime you sort of shore up systems versus uh you know breaking up like the more you tie it together it just means it's it's going to you know the 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 way it breaks up will be even more uh, even more super uh, super chaotic. I mean you know I I can say with certainty that when 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 we enter sort of uh, periods where we're not sure who's in charge, and I think that that would be the the key. That's that's the like that is the the AD zero of the next uh, the next part is that will be spurred on by energy prices which are also basically tied in with food prices it'll be when people are hungry or they or they don't have energy which is very hard to see at the the, at this point despite i mean there are huge things threatening these things you know people like Peter z hand stuff talk about you know the the two largest uh uh, grain exporters in in the entire world are currently at war with each other there are huge dangers there um uh and of course all these people uh you know if if africa is has no food these people you know you could get a plane ticket for 75 dollars and and move to minneapolis so um i don't know i would just emphasize just how it'll be it'll be super chaotic uh and it'll be food and energy prices that start
1: i mean that's the classic examples we're always three meals away from revolution
0: right no that well wasn't it minnesota i think that just announced that they're gonna have to worry about rolling blackouts now Uh, Mm -hmm. so the fact that that's going to be part, you know, that, that you know, <laughs> I thought it was wild when I would talk to uh, Ernst uh, Conscious Caracal in South Africa. And you, you never know if a rolling blackout's just going to take him out of the stream, uh, you know, because uh, th- that's just the way that their uh, their first world nation has fallen uh, since you know since their infrastructure has just kind of collapsed. And uh, we're, we, we were, I, you know, we always joke that that's a, like peering into the future and now the future is already here. Uh, it, it It is interesting because, um, you know, there is a lot of ruin as, in, an, in a nation, as the uh, saying goes. And uh, America certainly is the one that has the most amount of cushion to decline. And so you could see standard of li- living falling for a good while before people get uncomfortable enough to do something about it. Uh, but but kind of the, I guess the basic three futures are you get some kind of leftist retrenchment. Right. And that has to look. At some point, you need Caesar, I guess, to do that right, and so that that blue Caesar, I guess, is an option. Though a lot of people have made a case as to why you're not going to get blue Caesar just due to the the nature of the people involved, and there's probably a good a good point there. But something's going to have to stop, like the the partitioning of a multi ethnic democracy. Like that that's clearly tearing things apart. They've imported too many people who like violently disagree. Now uh, we we again we see that with kind of the Israeli Palestine split in the left. Um, the the fact that their own coalition is threatened by this process, uh, and their their kind of obsession with attempting to manipulate those groups is is kind of spells doom long term for that strategy. And so then your options are just kind of like well a healthy partitioning or just the the, the kind of the the Russian uh, the the Soviet Union kind of uh, spin down where okay things might mostly dissolve peacefully but like you just have oligarchs in charge of things you know and like. There is no real civilization uh for a while because it's just people picking the, the bones clean for a good bit. Um, you know, none of those are uh short-term hopeful, uh, but they, they do open up new new possibilities uh that, that did not exist prior.
4: You should be really suspicious of anybody who talks about blue Caesar because the that concept makes no sense. It's entirely aspirational. The people who say that and they Cream their drawers over Gavin Newsom, like they're telling on themselves. It has nothing to do with reality. That's just their dream. They want they want Democrat Daddy to come in and, and fix everything and you know, reset the clock to like 2007, and that that's it would be their dream world. If that none of that makes any sense, what? like why? What, what what what? Like I mean, would it be a blue sulla I guess I mean that that I could see. Like a blue Caesar. What? That makes that just it's complete nonsense. Sorry.
0: No, I I largely agree with that. But I'm also increasingly uh, I'm also increasingly persuaded that red Caesar is unlikely. Like, I don't know that we're going to get Octavian. You know, I don't know that there's there's an option for that. Uh, Any any like I I don't think that I think the United States is far more likely to fall apart. Than to be to to see an imperial retrenchment. Play. How
4: about a red Alaric?
3: The only person who can legitimately fill the, the shoes of a Caesar, and there may not there of course there may not be a Caesar, is Eric Prince. Eric Prince <laughs> is the only person who could actually put like uh, who and it, it would look like a a, a neo corporate cyber. People get so wigged out by uh uh what they're basically saying is that people like Eric Prince don't have a problem operating in an environment where it's not clear who's in charge and someone needs to reestablish who's in charge what would that we people would interpret that modern wise to be a corporate run government or whatever but uh you could take eric prince you could say hey uh because this is what military generals do this is a a people in the military understand this We this is when, when you conquer territories military general you are then the the you know the the uh, running that place. You're the manager in the most basic sense. Where Eric Eric Prince would def- is the only person who could definitely fulfill that. And uh, uh, we put too much emphasis in the modern world on things like business and politics. When when we start talking about things, when things get very serious, it's about management of things like violence. And uh, I don't care how slick your hair is, or, or you know, if you're six five, whatever that doesn't mean anything. You, to coordinate violence is a different game. And uh, Eric Prince is the only person who's shown who can do that on like a startup level of like, uh, uh, he could do that. Eric, uh, Eric Prince for vice president.
2: The whole point of the <laughs> Caesar, though, is that he sort of like transcends and breaks the uh, political structure that came before him. So this this idea of a blue Caesar, or a red Caesar is kind of a bit foreign, uh, especially uh, when we're using these like civilizational cycles that says that, Each culture will have a conqueror, a great writer, a Caesar figure, and all this other stuff. Uh, The the whole point of this archetype here is that he is supposed to come to the dying culture, sort of pause everything for the moment, sort of roll back some things but not all the way, um, and completely shatter whatever it is that was stagnating before him. If we're looking for a Caesar, he could very well be inside blue or red or whatever else. It's just that we, we won't be able to say this was the blue or red Caesar.
0: Well, it's its ability to cut the Gordian knot. It's the ability to kind of get rid of, like you said, that that impasse that was built into the the former structure. And yeah, so if there's if they, that person could be hiding in either one, I, I guess the question there is more what camp do they originate from, and less uh, what style would they have? Because you're right that we need to transcend kind of both sides there if they're if they're really going to kind of take that archetype on. All right, guys. Well, we could certainly debate this all day and we have uh, in other episodes, but uh, need to go ahead and get to our super chats because they are stacking up here real quick. Uh, Before we do that, uh, Ryan, do you want to tell people where they can find your work?
2: Oh, uh, people can find me at the Old Glory Club. I am the vice president there. It's a a very uh, good organization for trying to uh, uh, get American men specifically together so that we can help each other out, uh, sort of provide some sort of mutual aid to each other as we're in need. Uh, Eventually, we're trying to work to providing some sort of a safety net for cancellation from jobs or public figures or whatever else that you might be canceled from. Uh, But that's in the future for right now. Uh, if you are interested in getting involved, email the old glory club at gmail.com, uh, find us on Substack, uh, and then as for me personally, you can find my Twitter at, uh, at turnip merchant or just searching my name on Twitter. Uh, I, either one will work. Um, y- you can find some very, uh, uh, exhilarating <laughs> crusades and church bodies and whatnot over there. So uh, that's where you can find me.
0: All right. Uh, good old boys, whichever one, you know, where can they find you?
3: Uh good old boys. Dot, uh, um patreon.com slash good old boy. Or just Google good old boys Patreon. Uh,
4: <laughs> good old boys with the Z. Yeah, <laughs> the
3: problem is there's the spelling thing, but you'll get it. Which I mean some somehow because uh every, once a month, literally once a month since we've been doing this, a new podcast starts called people calling themselves the good old boys. Um I'm never gonna let go of the name because the name references patronage, which is the theme of the show but you also got to go to wbsapparel.com they have a section for our merch that's the uh we we have we have a merch section now we've got two shirts we just about basically sold out of one and we'll have a new line coming out soon have some hats and patches and stuff it'll be uh check it out
0: nice all right uh yeah you can sit out you could sit out those cease and desist but then you'd have to worry about your own theme song right
3: oh yeah well i mean yeah we, people are they're already well i shouldn't well the, people are already bootlegging the shirt which is uh, i i just take as a compliment and you know we, we, we the shirt is heavily inspired from someone else but that person we, who heavily inspired us is on the spLC terror list so i don't feel like they can <laughs> i don't feel like it, it's also a gas station so i don't feel like they can us either so it's not yeah.
4: bucky's before you ask
3: <laughs> you know it's, it's a it's a community effort you know <laughs> to each I mean, to each according to his needs
0: i mean who isn't on an spl list uh, splc list come on sure yeah right i was was talking to um uh alex kashuda and she's like oh yeah i just i just uh ro- scroll through that to get my guest list you know if i'm ever looking for a guest i just check the website to find out who, who's new on the on the watch list
3: well i mean it's kind of funny so literally the place we got this the inspiration for the shirt from they're listed on the splc hate list as a gas station it is literally it's it's a gas station in georgia and it says this gas station is a hate group
0: <laughs> i mean they've already got numbers on there you know two twenty four thirty. yeah like they just yeah there's already a, a good amount of the uh, the alphabet and and uh, the entire number system that are on there so why not gas stations right? yes it's Be a okay, gas simple, drinking milk you know
3: just. there's a gas station in georgia that sells like bongs and confederate belt buckles and stuff like that because they do they are considered a hate group like uh you know the 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 clan or something like that
0: i believe it all right well let's go ahead and dive into our uh uh our super chats here. All right. So Maximilian Cunnings for $2. Thank you, sir. What are the core tenets of any civic religion? A good question. What would be some of the core tenets of any civic religion?
2: Uh, Form Over truth. I'm sorry, go ahead. Form over truth. Could you Um... give
0: people a little more there?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, with, with a civic religion, you want people to be loyal to the uh, to to basically the state or whatever you're having in place, of the state. And you should not be asking, is the state true or was it propagating? Is it true? But rather, is it that thing? Is it the state? Does it look like the state? that That's what every civic religion does. It's what Kierkegaard railed against. It's what we're railing against now. It's this uh, uh, we don't like that people like it because it is. Uh, despite all of its falsehoods and all the things that's going wrong with. So it it wants you to really value forms of things, regardless of whether they're true. An excellent answer. Anyone else? Uh, I know
3: when I read, when I read Caesar's diaries, I could see my, I'm like, God, I wish I had, a, I wish I was part of a state like that. (laughs) Um, like, you know, I don't, I don't love our state like that, but the way he, he talks about the Roman state, um, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's not all not all states are equal. Not all empires are equal, especially at any point in time. But um, I don't know. You that's sort of a you can sort of see a uh, when you read that you can sort of see what would be a positive vision, you know, the duty and honor uh, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, your your political formula has to be in there, but like you said, it has to be genuine. It certainly has to be something that compels people uh to to love and sacrifice on behalf of the state for sure. All right, we got uh, Andrew Guller here. Uh, sorry, you had those early on. Glad I caught those before we got too far. I want to get some exposure to the Italian elite theorists. Should I start with the Machiavellians by James Burnham? Uh, short answer: Yes. Uh, Machiavellians is the best primer uh, for Italian elite theory. Uh, you could also read uh, Academic Agent's book, uh, "The uh, uh, The Populist Delusion." Uh, it's a little. It's a little. Uh, It it takes a few other thinkers into account, which are important. And I think that that's probably also a good place to start. But I think the Machiavellians gives you uh, the big three as, as well as Sorel and in a way that's digestible. Um, You could also read my book, the total state, which will be coming out next year. Uh, But uh, I think the other good place, if you're going to actually read um, a, a Italian elite theorist, I think that McCain well, no, I should say Mosca is probably the easiest one to read. Mikel's is easy to read relatively, but he a lot of it is just about uh, German socialist like workers parties. And so you have to um, you have to kind of be able to uh, look at that and understand like how that translates into, into mass politics, as I think Mosca is a little more obvious. Uh, of course, you could also read uh, uh, read uh, Machiavelli himself, though, um, but, you know, that he doesn't Uh, it's not as updated as uh, the, the Italian theorists are going much in more in depth in certain areas. And then uh, Andrew says, did you ever read none dare call it conspiracy? If so, what did you think of it? I can't say I have, man. I'm sorry. I wish I could give you a better answer on that one. Anyone happen to have read that book?
4: I know of it, but I mean good luck, isn't it? that's one of the Bircher books, so how uh, the hell would you okay. how the hell would you even get a copy of it? I'm I it's like when they talk it's funny when you talk about banned books. Right. Libs love talk about that. Yeah, you could probably get pick that up on Amazon for like five hundred and fifteen dollars along with uh, Camp of the Saints that Ryan was referencing earlier (laughs) yeah yeah. the
0: band the band books like uh uh like uh to kill a mockingbird that i can get for 25 (laughs) cents at any used bookstore yeah uh
2: on on my channel on youtube uh, which is also under my name as well I, i will be returning again this saturday to be discussing the the birchers so um some of the things in that book might come up that's being referenced here but uh, if, if anyone's interested in the birchers i I will be talking about it with a good friend uh, from the old glory club as well on saturday
0: i will most certainly be tuning in for that one all right joshua Beebe says the family man with nick cage is a great christmas movie i agree that is one of those that's surprising it's a it's a surprisingly kind of heartfelt and touching uh nick cage movie about the you know the businessman who has it all he's rich and he's got the uh you know he's got the status he's going to all the fancy parties on Christmas and then he kind of gets transported into this alternate reality where he had a family and he uh, kind of uh misses that when he comes back it's actually quite a good uh Christmas movie I'd agree with that
3: imagine Josh coming at you with a two-handed axe <laughs> I'm sorry oh because he's giant yeah
4: yeah he's yeah, a uh, little' PFP there, yeah. Yeah,
3: little Roman guy running running around running around in uh you know northern Europe, whatever. And that's the first celt you see is Josh coming with a
0: 75-pound <laughs> axe. Yeah, yeah. You, you can understand the terror there. Uh let's see, Deuce Boogaloo for fifty dollars. Well, thank you very much, man. Incredibly generous. Uh, there's a new racial film, American Fiction, that targets white leftists for their uh employing patronage of blacks idw types claim that it's a sign wokeness is being put away but to me it looks like more anti white propaganda you should review it or an interesting i have not heard of that but i will take a look that's yeah those interesting trends that i should i should just constantly have that uh, that rolling theme of uh, whether or not this is this is the woke being put away i think there are a lot of mistakes uh made by you know could there's a lot of selective choices that academic agent makes uh, saying, oh, well, this is the woke being put away because it challenges some aspect of leftism, even though it's often reinforcing another aspect. So that's very interesting, man. I, I will definitely check that out. American fiction. All right. Uh, Paladin uh, YYZ says, oh, $51. Thank you very much. Again, very generous. Uh, go so busy. Uh, go so busy running to the hills, breaking the law and writing the lightning that I miss Orin's metal show with Pete. Uh, still feeling a little trapped under ice. Well, I appreciate all of the references there. We've got Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Uh, we've got multiple Metallica references there. Uh, I, I Yeah, I had a good time talking uh, to Pete uh, Quinodes, uh over there about uh, metal. That was a lot of fun. I've always wanted to do a metal show, so that was nice to do with him because he's a big metal head. He was plugged into the music scene for a long time. Um, I'm a little younger and I I wasn't as uh, involved directly with the music scene. So it was also cool to just hear some of his stories, though. It's one of those streams. I don't know if you guys have ever done this where you get started and then you just forget the name of everything. Like just every reference you're supposed to make, you know, movies or music, everything. I just managed to forget like every Megadeth album. Like I forgot massive swaths of of, uh, metal history that I knew just because. We got deeply involved in it, but it was a lot of fun. People should check that out.
3: You need you need a co-host that would, it would kick ass in Jeopardy, like I got, because I cannot remember any any proper noun uh, ever <laughs> at all. And it, people, a lot of people think it's some kind of like elaborate bit. It's not. It's, <laughs> it, that's just how it is. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm curious. I love like so ride the lightning. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's one of my favorite albums. But I don't. But going back to my thing about films, whatever. Can, can you give me another album that, that 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 i would like that would be like that
0: oh sure i mean well obviously you know the the debate if do you mean metallica or do you just any other thrash album or uh,
3: something else i i'm uh, I, i've heard a lot of the other metallica albums, but something uh, just like literally i don't know i don't know uh who's the
0: redheaded guy dave mustaine from from megadeth yeah yeah he's yeah he's a christian now isn't he Uh, I don't think I don't. Well, that's a good question. Uh, Dave has definitely softened a lot. Like his last it's funny because obviously his first uh, couple albums are all the system is terrible and the system is terrible. And his last couple albums are also the system is terrible, but now the system is fighting against like Christianity and the family. And so like all his, his albums are like making references to attacks on the family unit and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I don't know if he did convert to Christianity, but I wouldn't be surprised given the the kind of the way that his, uh, his politics have, have taken him during the years uh he, he he's been on things like alex jones you know he's that he's that kind of guy
3: well if you're if you're a touring mus- successful touring musician you're either going to find jesus or you're going to be dead at like 45
0: well like alice cooper right alice cooper mm-hmm. was basically murdering himself and then in the 80s he becomes a christian um and so uh yeah i think that's that that's true uh, i think uh i think uh the guy from wasp also, also uh, uh, converted to Christianity, so yeah, a lot, a lot of guys go that route. Yeah, if you're looking for good thrash albums, uh, the classics are things like, um, uh, Rust in Peace is is the Megadeth album that most people will, will point you to. You can look at guys like Testament and like New, uh, like, uh, The New Order or uh, Practice What You Preach. Uh, a lot of people will look at Overkill or Exodus. Uh, I like Metal Church, uh, they're they're a good uh thrash band so i think that the if you really like that 80s metal ride the lightning era uh, i think there are a number of good bands that are kind of around that that you'd enjoy excellent Uh, all right we've got uh michael robertson here for twenty dollars thank you very much man impressive guest lineup merry christmas everyone hey why is no one pressuring trump to get back on twitter i refuse to believe he's seriously running if he's not tweeting by early next year truth social will be damned yeah you feel like eventually he has to make that move obviously he's not on twitter because he's probably contractually tied mm-hmm. to truth social uh, and he doesn't want to fork over like the i don't know probably tens or maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars he would have to if he started tweeting again uh but once he's kind of up at the wall and they're and they're very clearly going to put him in jail i think he probably will have to you know just go ahead and break that contract because being in jail is worse but that that would be my guess
4: he might as well wait until the actual election starts if he's going to like do a triumphant return to Twitter. That would be the way to time it. You would do it. You would do it next year, maybe not even late. Maybe uh, sorry, not even early. Maybe later in the year, you know, for maximum impact.
0: We've got uh, Coach McGurk's burp shirt. Uh, listen, Brian. I hope you had a merry Christmas. Don't uh, think too hard. It'll be fine. Now pass me a Mikey's big mouth is that from the show i'm trying what's that show called home movies is that the one
3: that's a mickey's big mouth i don't know i'm sure adam carol is involved because he's always talking about mickey's big mouth it's a it was a popular uh malt liquor beverage in the
0: 1970s <laughs> a, malt, a malt liquor historian here for us yeah Let's, yeah <laughs> uh also sorry brendan had a few too many gotten uh got name wrong <laughs> all right man. see uh, we've got Mac uh, Matt Grader here uh, for $20. Your videos make the workday a little more enjoyable. I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I get to hang out with guys like this all the time. Uh, so it's always a blast. I really appreciate you guys watching. It's been a fantastic year. Obviously, uh, being able to kind of move over to Blaze and do this full time has definitely been a dream come true. And so I'm glad that so many of you have come with me and enjoyed it. It's, it's been fantastic. Uh, Sean here says, what are the panel's thoughts about Vivek as Red Caesar? He points out that most of our issues stem from bloated federal government, and he promises to, to me- meaningfully reduce its size. Uh, I would say that Vivek says a lot of great stuff. He's he's talked about uh, kind of the, the managerial elite. He's talked about the problem of the bureaucratic state. Uh, he's got uh, the right opinions on a number of things. Uh, but I don't think he's the guy for a lot of reasons. What, what are you guys' feelings about Vivek?
2: I, I don't mean to be blunt here, or too blunt, uh, but Vivek can't be the West Caesar uh, because he isn't Western. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
3: being, being a politician and and having correct opinions and all this kind of stuff are, are completely different. you got to have a killer instinct to, to actually want to execute the kind of stuff he's talking about, the kind of person that, that actually executes stuff. Is a lot. It is not someone that that has this sort of deposition, but that doesn't mean. I mean, uh, that doesn't mean he doesn't have a bright future. I mean, he could definitely. He he could definitely be somebody that that could uh, do a lot of great things as as uh, uh, some kind of uh, secretary in in the um, secretary in the Soviet sense of like uh, uh, what are we Czar? So, sorry, as some kind of you know one of these czars or something like that. He, he could definitely be a powerful asset i mean he you know he, it, it's not like he's he's auditioning for a media job because he is kind of too good to be on to be to be a media guy or something I mean he is really slick uh on the mic or whatever but not like the charisma leadership you're fired that kind of thing
0: yeah obviously he doesn't need the money I and mean, he is a pharmaceutical you know president or you know something right like that was his background so uh it would seem like he's Campaigning to put himself in some position of power, though I don't think even he believes it's president. But uh, let's see, Maximilian uh, Cunning's here. What if we measured politics by compliance with natural law, and oust those in net violation of natural law as illegitimate power wielders? Um, I think that's actually kind of what we do eventually, <laughs> right? That's 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 kind of how it eventually measures out, even though we've managed to suspend natural law as much as possible here this might be the the greatest suspension of natural law in human history but eventually
2: that rubber band snaps back right fed posts going into 2024 just look a lot like oliver cromwell walking up to parliament
4: (laughs) (laughs) i mean one of i mean one of our founding documents states this this is a bit like the, the very beginning yeah
0: yeah, I think, uh, yeah, as we pointed out to uh, Thomas Jefferson, a dangerous man to quote in times like these. <laughs> um, Max, Man, everything this guy says seems to apply to my current anyway, moving on. Uh, Maximilian uh, Kennings here says, where can I learn about not needing a large coalition? Congratulations. You're in the right place. Uh, we've got we've got uh, plenty of hits, but stay tuned uh, because uh, once you make it through the backlog, there will be more. Uh uh-huh. Sorry.
3: Go ahead. Well, I can give you a, the 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 simple explanation is that uh, if you have if you have too many people in your coalition, then there's not enough to go around, and the people who are more important in your coalition are going to be unhappy, and they're not going to be excited, and they're not going to. Oh. Uh, you can look at go look at the people who who blocked the windows in 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 Philadelphia when we had election. Those people very much wanted Joe Biden. Yes,
4: right, where he can learn about it. Go read a dictator's handbook. That's a yep. good, the central coalition stuff. That's which what, you, what, you, what you're asking for.
0: Yeah. I haven't done a primer on that book, but I probably should. Uh, that's another one that doesn't get mentioned enough in our circles. Uh, even Cause it's not, cause overall he comes down to like, oh, this is all bad. <laughs> you know, like It's yeah. that's, that's one of those things where like, uh, it's kind of like Bertrand de Juvenal where he like talks about, you know, how politics actually works the whole time. And then at the end he's like, yeah, but I'm probably still a liberal, I guess, even though I just explained why it doesn't work for the last couple hundred pages. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, that is, a, that, is a, that is a good primer to be sure. Uh, let's see here. And uh, The Demon Fiend for $5. What do you think of Trump's chances of winning the general uh, considering he's a political simpleton in legal jeopardy and mental decline? I think they're excellent. Um, I... <laughs> I I get it. Like uh, I I made a lot of people very angry on Twitter yesterday uh, by by pointing out some of the problems uh, with DeSantis running, Uh, even though I am a a Ron DeSantis uh, appreciator. uh, Just just pointing out some simple truths about uh, kind of the difficulties that he faces, even though he's a very competent and capable politician. Uh, All of these things hold guys like your look, every one of your everyone. I try to explain this to people and they don't listen to me so i'm i'm going to try one more time like every one of your criticisms of trump is correct and yet he's still going to win like because because you're in a you're in a specific moment in time and the world historical forces acting on the scenario are larger than your policy problems with trump and that doesn't make him a good person and that doesn't make him the right person and that doesn't make him a worthy person but if you're asking me, like, what are my predictions looking at the political realities around me, this is just obviously true. I don't know. I don't know how other people feel about this, uh, but I, I think that even though uh, Trump has many faults and you'll be right about pointing every single one of them out, uh, if you want an accurate prediction and not my endorsement or not my my moral, you know, druthers, like what what do you what do I think is actually going to happen? Yeah, I think Trump's going to win.
4: Well, this is talking about the general. Uh, I, I mean, first of all, he—I—I I don't accept the premise that he's a political simpleton. Like his message is simple, political message is simple, but that doesn't—that's not bad thing. That's actually kind of what you're going for. Right. As for being in legal jeopardy and mental decline, well, his opponent is both of those things too, and even more unpopular to him. So, you know, there's a pretty good chance. Uh, there's a pretty good chance there. And like you said, at the moment in time yeah, you could say it was simple for the man to get up on the escalator and talk about illegal immigrants and you know executing drug dealers and stuff. Yeah, that was simple to do and yet none of his opponents would do it and none of them are nobody cares about them anymore. So something to
3: talk sorry Oh, just say talk. who's the who's
4: the simpleton.
3: So I I, I mean, so I, I live in Florida, so I, I, I think Ron DeSantis has done an excellent job running the state. However, mm-hmm. there's uh No, no matter even how competent Ron DeSantis is or, or how good he is at at basically doing anything, uh, unless he can come up with billions of dollars between now and then, I mean, you just don't understand what that, that does for, uh, being able, it just creates a completely different scenario. You are become very dependent day to day on what donors, uh, what donors want, you When you don't have billions of dollars, um, you can sort of and you're still dependent on people to get elected. The difference is you can sort of play a longer game if you have billions of dollars. Uh, I think that that's huge, that that, that's uh, that's hugely important.
2: If you guys, uh, since you guys brought up DeSantis, am I the only one that remembers how much more radical in temperament he was like a year ago compared to now? Yeah, no, I. It's it's kind of weird because
0: so I have been covering Ron DeSantis for a long time. And I was I was at the rallies where he got the endorsement from Trump when he was behind Andrew Gillum. I was standing in the pit with CNN reporters getting booed, (laughs) hearing, you know, the media sucks uh, from the crowd. I interviewed the people there. So I'm not unfamiliar with this story. Like I've been on the ground and and seen this phenomenon pretty close up. And it's weird how much people have rewritten kind of the story of Ron DeSantis. You're absolutely right, Ryan. A a year ago, he was much more natural and much more abrasive with the media uh, and, and was able to do that pretty casually. Uh, on a regular basis why scoring big wins and it feels like that's been conditioned out of him by a lot of consultants and people got very angry for me at me for pointing out what it th- feels like a pretty obvious fact but
2: i don't know if you have no, any- I, you're I, right. Right. I, I, I answered that you right away right off. i
0: don't know if you had more to say there
2: no i i just i just kind of feel gaslighted just because i remember uh, a couple of semesters ago i'd be in class and i have a Oklahoma has a bunch of people that come up from Florida just to come to our universities. I guess it's a kind of like home, maybe cheaper, better in some cases, worse than others. I don't know. And they were all talking about like b- back then, a couple of semesters ago, each one of these Florida students all had a positive opinion of DeSantis and they would have to like test out in conversation. Are you someone who thinks that DeSantis is Mussolini or are you on side? Now it doesn't matter. He's just like some moderate, basically uh, the, the better option to Trump. And he the radical rhetoric seems to have just completely dissipated.
3: Yeah, he he's he's drifted towards the 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 everything because there's there's so many Republican governors people don't think about. In my opinion, the rise of Ron DeSantis came about because he seemed to be the first person that was able to, uh, in office, outmaneuver basically the uh, the the judicial system with with getting these laws passed. Yes. That when he would pass a law, he would tell people, he said, look, this is going to get blocked at the, whatever the district level or whatever. I'm not an attorney, but we're going to win this. We've got a great case or blah, blah, blah. And I think most people, people like me, we don't, we're not, I'm not a lawyer, but I knew that this guy's a lawyer and it seemed like he was able to score some victories like this.
0: Yes. He was very, very good at what he did. That, that That's the thing is, and that's what I said the tweet. It's like this guy who was. What was a phenom you know and that's that's part of the tragedy here but sorry astrakhan you had uh, something. your
1: no it, it wasn't anything um all, all that important they, they they smooth they smoothed off all the rough edges that made him him and so all, all the things that made him different from a lot of the other politicians um and and gained him a lot of success ended up being muted to the point where like you said, he's just kind of become yet another politician in a sea
0: of politicians. All right. Now that we've angered a good uh, <laughs> portion of the electorate, let's go to Thuggo here. Can you give your thoughts on Sam Sam frieds Explain uh, w- when he explained the main purpose of woke is a language you speak to show that you're in the in group, absolutely. So, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to go to somebody, I've I did an episode on this and he wrote a piece on this, but I did an episode with him on this. Um, uh, uh, why have I suddenly forgotten our Swedish friend Tinksorg? Um, Malcolm, uh, Kunis. he he uh wrote a great piece on this early on explaining. That wokeism is, and, and he's wrong. That the, he, I think he's wrong a little bit on on its place in the leftist. uh, I think kind of imagination and uh, in, in, in its political formula. But he's right about this key function, which is its ability to cancel others. It's it's internecine warfare for the left. It's the way that you cancel other elites because you can't like fight a duel or something. You can't you can't just you know pistols at dawn, people. um, and so, you know, you can't Alexander Hamilton. them, And so instead, like the way that you kind of show your you know, superior, the way that you win kind of that inter-elite conflict is by speaking the right language. And so like the basic entry is the woke language. And then beyond that, it's the ability to kind of outmaneuver, uh, you know, through wokeness and cancel through wokeness those that would challenge you. Uh, and so I think, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, uh, SBF's kind of explanation that you have to work this into your basic language just to be accepted in important and powerful circles, yeah, that's obvious. Like it's the imperial cult. So you, at minimum, you must pre- you must speak the name of Caesar at minimum to be able to kind of just walk through the door. Uh, and then your proficiency inside that system is one which allows you to kind of cancel others. Uh, so I, I'm not shocked at all that there's a critical aspect of playing the game at the level that he was evolved in. Yeah,
3: the, the the important distinction here is like for who for for who is this like the 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 point of woke? So if you're if you're a right winger like that, that aspect of wokeness, you may basically never interact with right uh, because that's not that that they don't that has nothing to do with us but
0: now that's you, keeping you outside the gate you don't even get to see inside the gate because of that that barrier
3: yeah you're like you're not inv- like it, it's not, you're not even invited to the uh what what do they call the the thing where the the knights used to battle uh like as a sport kind of thing
1: jousting jousting, <laughs> jousting. like
3: like, like we're, we're working the fields, right? It doesn't matter how good or bad we are at jousting. Now you go to, if you know, people that have worked in university or they, they, they did grad school and stuff like that. They will tell you like the people who are up and coming, the people who, who the way you succeed in academia is being like the most terroristic woke person possible. That's how you puff your chest out. That's how you, that's how you earn. That's how you put skins on the wall. That's how you earn rank there and basically you have to have some way to resolve disputes and that's how that's how they that's how they do it it's a very feminine type thing
0: if if merrick is ever uh you know sick or you know otherwise sidelined you can have uh, ostracon be your (laughs) <laughs> your thesaurus i could hear i could hear uh, mark there just being like oh finally i didn't have
4: to do it this time <laughs> you, know, you know in star wars how i like, chewbacca and han solo are best friends but nobody can understand chewbacca but that's what it feels like sometimes yeah. it's,
3: it's not something that comes up in my day-to-day uh, line of work the, the jousting
4: <laughs> i've been the one You've been on the it, list it, it, it
3: uh you a t- giant turkey leg
4: no it wasn't like medieval times it was it was like horse people were doing it. this was back when i was a kid and it wasn't like people weren't dressed up in costumes it was just like was this legal i assume so <laughs> it was so. drunk dudes
1: it, with sticks man Come it, on.
4: It, yeah. it, it was it was
0: awesome i'm just wondering if ostracons gonna out himself here i don't know really... well we,
3: we did the we did the thing about uh where you we can find people we didn't go uh, ostracons he could be right, right behind you. You know,
0: it's, it's true. Well, that's that's the key. It's, he could be anyone.
3: Could. You can't find him.
0: Uh, Alyosha for twenty dollars says, "Woke languageism, uh, basically enlightenment is func- is malfunctioning, and no one can find the manual." Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is certainly uh, downstream uh, from that. Uh, I'm hoping to have Jonathan Peugeot on uh, early next year. Uh, he had some interesting comments about the enlightenment that that made uh, uh, James Lindsay yell at him, which you know endears him to me uh, more than a little bit. Uh, so I want to talk to him about uh, kind of the failure enlightenment and, and how we got here. But I think you get, you're most certainly right about that connection.
3: You got to be careful around that guy in
0: swords. Yeah, he's studied the blade, and who who am I to question it? All right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. But I want to thank everybody for coming on, of course uh i would I, I would of course uh you know push something ostracon has uh, has put out but uh he he only shows up now occasionally on on the show hopefully we'll we'll see him a little more uh but make sure you're checking out ryan's uh channel and the uh, old glory club make sure you're checking out uh of course the good old boys podcast it is a much a must listen uh podcast and of course if it's your first time on this channel make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to this channel, make sure you go ahead and turn on your notifications because otherwise you'll miss the live broadcasts. And of course, if you'd like to get these broadcasts as podcasts so you can work out, mow the lawn, work on the car, whatever, and still listen, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the Laura McIntyre Show on your favorite podcast plat- platform. When you do, make sure that you leave a rating or review. It really helps with the algorithm magic. Thank you, everybody, for coming on. It was been it's been a great year. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to everybody. And as always, we'll talk to you next time.